But uh, it is really good to be here with you. Thank you very much, Pastor, for, uh, for having this emphasis on corporate prayer. And even that which we're going to discuss this morning has a corporate prayer aspect to it. And then we'll focus on corporate prayer during the morning service uh, today. So uh, good to be here. Uh, several people have asked where we're from. And where we're from is not necessarily where we're from. So we live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, that is where our house is. But... Uh, uh, we claim Colorado as our home because we lived there for 27 years. I pastored a church uh, north of Denver up in the Boulder area for uh, several years. And so that's kind of still home. It's kind of odd to say we're in Greenville, but um, after 27 years of pastoring, um, uh, the Lord took us to Greenville to be part of a mission agency called Frontline Missions, which does restricted access missions. And uh, we worked with them for a couple of years. And the Lord put us back in the missions pastorate at Suber Road Baptist Church in Greenville, where I met uh, Andrew Kester. And uh, so we were there five and a half years. And then um, June of 21, uh, God allowed us to start a missions agency, a uh, missions organization, which focuses, has a unique focus. And I'll tell a little bit about that as we, as we go this morning. But basically, we connect people and projects. We connect um, uh, people that, that want to be organically connected in gospel advanced projects around the world. And uh, many of these are, most of these are places I've been around the world. And so I would come back and I would then connect people to meet the needs of uh, places that really don't have an American missionary. They're, they're nationals that are planting churches and evangelizing and doing the job. Um, but they could use a little extra help, uh, usually financially or even skill-wise uh, expertise. So we just started kind of, we built it as kind of a non-commissioned brokerage where we just connect people. And uh, God has just blown the doors open wide on that. Um, it's been just a lot of fun. We've been able to work with several mission boards with their missionaries. And it's um, just uh, really kind of a, a vacuum that we're trying to fill. So, uh, as, and just so you know a little bit about what we're doing. Um, and by the way, um, just nobody really cares about this, but we have four children and seven grandchildren. So uh, we are enjoying uh, being grandparents. Uh, one of our, our oldest is, uh, is on, she has five, five daughters. They're on deputation to go to France as missionaries. Next daughter is in Detroit, married to a, an engineer whose dad is the pastor of the church they go to. And then uh, we have two boys still at home, uh, which is a little bit unusual, but because uh, they're both graduated from college. One is a videographer, and he's just kind of a, um, He's, he loves his church, he loves the Lord, he's, he's active, but he has no romantic interest in any girl at all. And uh, so he's kind of an introvert, and so he's a videographer, which means he takes video and then he loves editing videos. So that's kind of what he does, and um, I think eventually he'll move out. But then our youngest son is a police officer, and he's the, um, he's the type A people person, extrovert, uh, wound up tight kind of guy, and um, he's just about ready to buy a house, and he's, uh, he's going to move out. Maybe the both of them will move out, but we'll see. But we, we really enjoy having adult kids at home. We have a blast. I mean, we have uh, a lot of deep discussions, and um, when I'm gone, they can take care of my wife, and so it's kind of worked out pretty well. My mother-in-law lives with us as well, so that's a, that's a help. But, um, Pastor, you're going to have to tell me what time I need to be done, or it'll be Tuesday before we stop. Ten till. Okay, so 30 more minutes. Okay, I'm going to watch that clock. And, uh, and uh, you don't watch the clock. I'll watch the clock for you, and we'll try to make sure we're done on time. 
Um, I'm going to uh, pray again, and then uh, I want to show you just a few pictures just so you see some of the things we've been involved with. This is not an ACORN presentation. ACORN Global Advance is the name of the, the, the organization. Um, but it does, it does show you a little bit. It kind of gives a foundation of things. But um, let's pray again, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you for uh, this gathering. Thank you for the children uh, that were dismissed. And we pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would work in their hearts as they have a special time together. There's something special about children's ministry, and uh, you have used it in mighty ways in the lives of many people. So even while adults are meeting here, we pray for the children as they're meeting to have a, a special influence of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Guide us as we look at uh, gospel advance in this time today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to uh, turn and then uh, just kind of talk us through a few things. Um, 2017, I was in Liberia, West Africa, and uh, I was actually there, this was before we started uh, Acorn Global, um, but I was there um, on another endeavor from another mission agency, and I walked out the back of the church and I saw this, I actually didn't um, have the, 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 what do you call those things on the top, the um, trusses or whatever, and um, at the very top at that point, and uh, it was just a shell. And I said, uh, the, their problem was they have a church and then they have a school in a 98% Muslim neighborhood. And uh, I saw all these kids running around. They, at that point, they had 112 kids in their school. And uh, I started asking questions and found out that the parent, there is no public education in Liberia. So they have to find and pay for their own education the average income of this area in Monrovia, Liberia, is $600 a year. And so um, the kids can come to school here for $40 a year. And none of them can afford it. So uh, the, ch the church would just let them come, and they'd try to pray in the money. And they had this building built because they're out of room in this church building. And uh, so they started, uh, they, they had been working at this shell of a building for like two or three years. Um, and as I, as I walked through there, the Lord just burdened my heart. Maybe we could finish. This is before anything to do with Acorn Global. Maybe we can, maybe we can finish this. So I actually uh, got on the phone with a guy that I know in Canada and uh, said, would you be interested in helping finish this building? And he said, what would it take? Yeah, I said, I'm told to take about 6,000 U.S. dollars to finish the roof as well as all of the... Uh, equipment on the inside and, and the outside and the windows and this type of thing. And he wrote a check. And uh, then shortly after that, they had, this is the building on the right, they had a dedication service. Um, and the, the picture that I really enjoy showing is this picture because these are, are the students in that building. They now don't have, they have uh, independent chairs now. But um, these are all Muslim kids. And they're, they're, they're writing out the scriptures they're memorizing the scriptures. They're taking it home, and their parents help them with the scriptures, um, get their homework, and they're seeing people come to know Christ on a regular basis uh, just because of the outreach of their school. So we, we have a thing on our website. Uh, the price has climbed now to $50 a year uh, for students, but uh, we have some folks that are sponsoring students, and uh, we have children that are sponsoring children uh, in, in the U.S. sponsoring these uh, Liberian students. And then this is, uh, this is Zambia. I was in a pastor's conference. I was, lead, I was teaching. Some, uh, there's a 
organization in Zambia called Central African Baptist University. And uh, they had asked if I would come and teach theology to a group of 50 um, uh, pastors. And uh, I met a guy who uh, who's, um, was a church planter, but he was coming to Lusaka. This is in Lusaka, the, the capital of uh, one of the big cities in Zambia. And, um, but he said, I, I really don't have any money. You know, I, I'm a church planter. His, he was in, a, he was in a, a, a denomination, kind of a Pentecostal-esque denomination that was paying him $200 a month uh, to be a pastor. But he was uncomfortable with the theology, and he, and he was planning on leaving, and he wanted to come to Lusaka and plant a church. So, uh, and I've been with him uh, in correspondence with him almost weekly uh, since. This is probably uh, 2021. This is one of our first projects. And uh, I said, well, what do, you, what do you do for income? He said, well, I, right now I'm a chicken farmer. He said, I've, I'm skilled at doing this. So uh, a man in Denver um, gave him funds to start to build a building to where he could put 250 chickens in this building. And... Um, uh, the guy could actually, he sold his house where he was, moved and used that money to buy land, and then we built a building for him, which uh, ended up being um, in a place that didn't have water. And uh, the, the matter of due diligence or is really kind of a foreign concept to some of these folks, but they didn't have water, so we had to dr- drill, a, drill a well, uh, which was extra money. But what that did was provided an outreach to the community because nobody has fresh water. So now everybody comes to this well to get fresh water, and they also get the gospel when they come to this well. So uh, it's actually, I mean, God obviously just worked things out. The thing we're working on now is we've got to build a fence around this because the, the, um, the cattle in the area have a certain disease that doesn't bother the cattle, and it doesn't bother the meat, but it kills chickens. And uh, so we've got to put the fence up to keep the cattle away from the chickens. So it's just a... But, um, but this guy now has, has developed a process where any church planting Zambian can take this model of chicken, of poultry farm, and take it to the next location, and this will end up funding that next, so it's, it's sustainable and reproducible. So uh, they're not going to be dependent on Western funds. So we're, we're real excited about this in, in Zambia. In India, uh, this is a place called Acorn Home because uh, we started an orphanage there, a gentleman who's, who's a native Indian, uh, he's actually native Burmese, but he's, he lives in northeast India. And um, so he started a seminary. We would call it more of a Bible institute. Um, and he has uh, several seminary students. But during COVID, they ended up with a bunch of orphans. Uh, and they, they started just bringing them into their home. And then they brought them into their seminary building. And um, so now the seminary students mentor the orphans. And it's a really neat uh, model and so Ruth Sang, the, the president of the seminary, teaches theology and teaches uh, in, the, in, in the, they call it the Christian Discipleship International Bible Seminary. And then, uh, and then the orphans in the Acorn Home get the benefits of that. And uh, just a few months ago, I was in India with uh, one of our donors. And um, uh, these kids had never, ever had a bicycle. And so the donor said, well, what would it take for these kids to have bicycles? And they said, well, I, the guy says, um, we don't sell bicycles, but we do build them. So they went into the city and found a bicycle builder. I mean, they build, they put the spokes together on the wheel. It's that kind of a assembly type thing. And he bought it, or she actually bought um, every one of these um, 
orphans, except for the girl. They're all, they're all boys who are orphans, except that's Ruth Sang's daughter, the director's daughter. And um, so to see them ride to school is amazing. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing to watch them uh, do that. So, uh, so, and we're, you know, we're praying that, the, that these orphans are mentored by the, by the college students, that they'll obviously come to know Christ as Savior, um, be able to be used in their occupations. Um, Ruth Sang's te- teaching them video editing and welding, so they ha- they'll have a trade uh, as they grow up. So this is just a little bit of, of what we're doing at Acorn. So, but, um, um, but with that, I'm going to ask that you take your Bibles and uh, we're not there yet. Uh, take your Bibles, please. And we're going to talk about something that um, is really intriguing only because um, I'm going to ask you to go to Matthew chapter 28. And uh, every missionary uh, has a Matthew chapter 28 uh, sermon. And, but we're only just going to read a little bit and then, and then go to Acts chapter 2. Actually, Acts, Acts chapter 1 and then Acts chapter 2. But I want to talk to you today about um, Great Commission Gospel Advance. And sometimes the word Great Commission can be overused and maybe even um, a little bit uh, abused or even worn out. But I, I want to just indicate to you that the early church did advance the gospel. And even in the book of Acts, it said that they turned the world upside down. So Act, or Matthew chapter 28, beginning our reading in verse 19, this is the last part of, of uh, the book of Matthew, where the Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, the only reason I'm reading that, it's a wonderful text. It's an obedience text. It's a go text. It's a mandate text. But what did the early church do with this? What was it that they actually implemented once they heard this and the end of the book of Matthew came the next really timeline of after the Great Commission would have been the book of Acts so I would like to encourage us that immediately after the Great Commission was the promise of the Holy Spirit in the first part of of the book of Acts chapter 1 basically Jesus told his disciples you wait in Jerusalem the Holy Spirit comes and then if you know Acts chapter 1 Jesus ascended into heaven Um, I I posit that everything changed at the ascension Uh, we don't have a lot of ascension sermons today but there's a lot that can be said about Jesus Christ going up into heaven obviously knowing that he will come again bodily just as he rose bodily but in the disciples' minds, I think everything changed when they saw Jesus leave. They had seen him on earth. They had seen him do all the miracles. And now, he's gone. There's a soberness to their gathering here. And uh, so they returned to Jerusalem, and I'm just, I'm just kind of wondering what it was they talked about <laughs> as they returned to Jerusalem. Maybe they were even quiet. What just we saw him do miracles, but we never saw him do this before. Um, and then uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. So the very first thing they did after Jesus rose uh, 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 rose into heaven 
And they got back to Jerusalem. The very first thing they did was meet for prayer. The very first thing, their default was to pray together. The Bible says together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his disciples. So I say that to say there is a culture in the book of Acts of gospel advance that is connected to God's people praying together. Uh, it was the default of the early church to pray together. Then the Holy Spirit came. We have Peter's sermon at Pentecost. 3,000 people trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Everything changes. They went from 120 people to 3,120 people in the early church. Now, Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 42. This is right after the Holy Spirit comes and Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And um, do you have uh, a handout, by the way? Do you have anything that's, uh, you should have a handout. Okay, you will have a handout. Okay, um, this will help as we move through Acts chapter 2. And uh, we'll pause just for a second so you can get these things in your hand. Um, because the, I want to be able to connect some dots in your head and even give you a place to maybe draw or take notes or, or something as we look at this matter of Great Commission Gospel Advance. What did the early church do with this commission? How was it that they gospel advanced? And I think we have some, some key insights in Acts chapter 2 as to how this happened and even continued to happen through the book of Acts. So um, we're gonna, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 is on your page and uh, I wanted to do that in case there were other versions of scripture um, I want us to be able to be on the same the same cadence here if you will in Acts chapter 2 so that we can actually draw some lines between this and a few of the points under this text in Acts chapter 2 so Acts chapter 2 and verse and uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 says this and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So this word devoted in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 means to be constantly diligent. So this was something they were on fire for. This is something that they were giving themselves to. We could even say, I just left a man uh, in the hospital. Um, he's, have, he's got serious health issues. His main job is to breathe. I mean, he's struggling getting his lungs to work, and he is being constantly diligent. He has to think to make himself breathe. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking the thing that the, the early church gave themselves to is, is these four things. The apostles' teaching, which we would consider preaching today or what we're doing even now, and fellowship, which is probably more of what we would consider discipleship today, meeting and fellowshipping, but also seeing each other take the next spiritual step forward. To the breaking of bread, probably, yes, having to do with the Lord's table, but also more like evangelism, because they would break bread in homes, they would bring people, it would have to do with the, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, telling people the elements of salvation. And then, and the prayers. And this verse 42 is when I was pastoring in, um, in Colorado that the Lord tugged at my heart to write and do some study on the matter of corporate prayer. Because I looked at this text, and I'm glad I can't say that about this ministry, but I had to say about our, our ministry in Colorado, we were doing three of the four things pretty well, but we weren't praying together. We had a prayer meeting, 
Wednesday night prayer meeting that mainly old people came and prayed for hospital things and, uh, and none of the young people would come and uh, uh, I had somebody say, one of our staff said, uh, well the reason people don't come to our prayer meeting is because they've been to our prayer meeting. And it made a lot of sense to me. So uh, we started, I started studying corporate prayer and found that every single revival in the U.S. and many in abroad started with God's people praying together. Um, and I realized that we were not fulfilling the early church in an emphasis on, yes, we were doing corporate teaching and corporate discipleship and even corporate evangelism, but we weren't doing corporate prayer. Um, but look at verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, before we go to um, any further, I want you to drop down under this text to the, the section called United Prayer. You could call it, Puritans used to call it social prayer or united prayer. We would maybe call it corporate prayer. Sometimes people confuse the word corporate with some kind of a business, a corporation type of thing. But as we go through this text, I want us to see, and this is, I think, in your notes, that the oxygen of the early church was united or corporate prayer. It was the air they breathed. The reason I say that is, as I've traveled and I've been many places um, around the, the world, um, Americans default to personal prayer. Many places in the rest of the world default to corporate prayer, especially China, Southeast Asia, even into um, uh, Russia, uh, Ukraine. I was in a church in Ukraine before the war, and uh, I felt like I was stepping back in history because in, the, in their church, and this is in the Chernobyl area of U Ukraine, um, the pastor would preach, and he would stop, and the people would pray. And then they would distribute the elements of the Lord's table, and they would pray as the, as the I mean, thanking the Lord for, I mean, spontaneously pray. It was like the oxygen. And I thought, this is like, I wonder if this is what the early church was like. It was given to prayer. Uh, they sang, and at the end of the song, somebody would start quoting scripture. And then pray. And it was a little disconcerting because I was scheduled to preach. And I would preach and I would hesitate. <laughs> and they would start praying. And I thought, they, and they prayed, not just, they weren't praying for, you know, Joe's gizzard or Grandma's bunions. They were, they were praying for the things that I was, I was preaching. They were praying the text. They were so engaged. And I, I, they, were, they were given to this. Um, so I brought that home and I was... I was um, I, t I talked to our staff in Colorado about this, and uh, our music pastor, a guy named Barry Gert, and uh, Barry Gert would stand at the pulpit, and he started, we started talking about this as, in, as uh, pastors in our church, and, uh, and then he, he would just encourage, he says, in we're going to sing Amazing Grace, and in between verses 2 and 3, I just want to stop and let you guys pray, and talk to God about his amazing grace. And um, the deacons of the church uh, started making fun of that in a good way and they said pastor we have often said bow your eyes uh, bow your heads and close your eyes to pray he said anymore it's bow your heads and open your Bibles to pray because our people were just praying the scripture in the middle of amazing grace and it just changed everything we did 
It changed the entire culture of the church. And so I'm just wondering if maybe um, this is something that was, uh, that was characteristic of the early church. So I'm going to mention a couple of things here, and they're, they're really hasten on. I had this screen up earlier. Um, this is an experiment that we're doing with Acorn Global Advance regarding God's people praying together for something specific. I was sitting at a business networking meeting um, in Greenville, South Carolina, and most of these people, there's about 12 in the room, most of these people are Christians. Not everybody, but most of them. And um, somebody mentioned that Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. And that Potiphar being an unbeliever was blessed by a believer who was dependent on God, but the influence of Joseph was a blessing, even a prosperity blessing to Potiphar. Well, the discussion went, and I got thinking in earlier in the book of Genesis, Laban is said to have been blessed because of Jacob. So I started just thinking through this, and, um, and I'm, I can't give the, I don't have time to give the whole history, but what we've done and this is really kind of fascinating, is we are taking businesses that have a desire to be used as a conduit for gospel advance. And I'm encouraging people to start businesses even, to, to harness an entrepreneurial culture uh, for missions. But also if there's a business that's starting or an existing business, we build a prayer team around them and we pray for that business every day that God would bless that business and then that business owner is saying, and I want to use the increase of my business for missions. And um, I'll tell you what, it is amazing. I, I, don't, I could fill up the afternoon telling you stories. I've got a, a guy in this, this, um, this networking group is a business coach. But he also has a video um, lab, it's a, a studio where he does podcasts and video marketing and this type of thing. And he said, would you, he was the first one, said, would, would you build a prayer team around my business? And then he said, I want to support Acorn Global through my business. So we did, and uh, it wasn't probably two months later that we went out to lunch, or breakfast, I guess it was. And um, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, my new business has now eclipsed my old business five times. He said, I don't know how to say this, but if, you want, if, if anybody thinks that God's people praying together doesn't work, he said, let me talk to him. He says, this is amazing. And uh, we met a couple of weeks ago again, and he said the same thing. He said, I, he said, I don't have room in my time. I don't have time for any more business. Um, so I have people all over the world, India, Zambia, the U.S., praying for this man. And, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you in a few moments, uh, if I forget, we, everybody prays at 2.43 in the afternoon or the morning. Some of them are doing both because of Acts 2.43, which we're going to get to in just a second. And um, we have an, another man just before I left. See, this is, this is Sunday. So, I left, uh, so Thursday, I had a man call me at home. He has a power washing business. And I'm, please, I'm not talking about prosperity theology here. I'm not talking about getting rich. I'm talking about would God use a business as a conduit for gospel advance? Uh, and it doesn't have to be money. It could be a, a, a guy in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, is making wooden toys in his basement, 
and um, my police officer's son puts him in his car and gives him out to kids when he's at places where the kids need something to play. And underneath each of those car is a, cars has a scripture verse. Gospel, uh, and I took him to Zambia. And, and uh, I mean, this is, this is God using people and connecting people with projects. So uh, this power washing guy, um, his name's um, Jordan. Uh, Jordan started a power washing business and we built a prayer team around his business, and the prayer team is 10 people around his business. Uh, he called me, all excited the other day, he said, because he said, you're not gonna believe this. He said, October, in, in, in and I don't know what, well, we're, I guess we're not in October anymore, but um, pretty much, we have winter in South Carolina, which is not like you guys, but, um, um, but pretty much power washing stops in about September. It's just uh, many, into September, uh, people just don't do it anymore. He said, my October was bigger than July. He said, I've never seen that happen before. And he's been in several kind of industry things like that. He said, I am so excited. Um, so I, w I would encourage you, if, if you would have any desire, and I didn't clear this with your pastor before saying this, that's okay. If you would have any desire to be part of a prayer team, of uh, either somebody locally or somebody globally, and you would say, hey, every day at 243 or whatever you choose, I'll pray for a business. Um, we've got a lady who's uh, a, a realtor who started a real estate business. Uh, she's asking for a prayer team. We've got another lady who does, uh, uh, she's a professional organizer. Um, and I'm not exactly sure all that she does, but I do know that she goes into closets. This is a first world problem. Uh, goes into closets and organizes people's closets and uh, their businesses. She does the filing and does computer data, you know, all this. And uh, she's a professional organizer. And she said uh, um, she wants to support her local church missions more. Would you build a prayer team? Or, and and uh, yesterday we built the prayer team for her. So if you would like to once a day pray for somebody that's a business person, they would say, would you, God, if you would bless this, I would like to be a part of your blessing, and you're a part of gospel advance this way. Uh, there's a sheet on the table in the lobby where you can put your name, your email address. That will, and tell me if you don't want this, I'll actually put you on our, our newsletter list. But then, as, then there's a thing about, so I think it says prayer team. If you'd want to be on a prayer team, let me know. And uh, it's just fascinating because then you'll get an email saying, this guy has had a <clears throat> banner month in October, and uh, even I just before coming to church this morning, I got a note from a guy who said, I'm, I'm not only going to pray at 243 in the afternoon, I'm setting my alarm at 243 in the morning uh, to get up and pray for, um, I don't remember what team he's on. Anyway, uh, pray for this team. He said, I, if, if God does this through me, I can't get enough of this. And I can go with a couple minutes um, less sleep in the middle of the night and pray if God can use this for gospel advance. So um, just a lot of fun. Um, every day at, it would be 10 o'clock here, it's noon Eastern time, um, 1857 was a revival in New York City tied with corporate prayer. A businessman by the name of Jeremiah Lanfear started a prayer meeting that ended up lasting two years uh, every day at noon. And, and over a million people came to know Jesus Christ as Savior as a result of that. So a man uh, by the name of Stephen Lee I don't know if you're familiar with an organization called Sermon Audio or not. It's the, it's the largest online warehouse of sermons in the world. They have two and a half million sermons and growing. Um, Stephen read about this man, Jeremiah Lanfear. We connected. 
and uh, he started on Zoom a, um, a noon Eastern time, 10 o'clock Mountain Time prayer meeting where people jump on, they hear a short devotion, and then we pray for gospel advance. We, there's, there have been some times we prayed for physical needs, but most of it is, is we're praying for revival, we're praying for awakening, we're praying for the gospel, we're praying for people that have been witnessed to, and uh, now we're like day 940 or so, or approaching the 1,000. I mean, this has been going a long time. There's people all over the world praying, people that are struggling with English praying. We had a guy praying in Hindi um, the other day, which really doesn't do us. <laughs> God understands it, but uh, he thought he'd be interpreted, and, and it wasn't. But um, um, And I don't know if... Uh, yes, okay. Does this have a pointer? Um, that's a pointer. Does it, how do you make it go? Press it. Anyway, how do I? What, what button do I press? Oh, okay. Oh, the one that says pointer. Okay, very good. This guy right here is a guy named David Ostadio. He's in Venezuela. He works for a Bible translation um, organization. Uh, I was in Grand Rapids, talking about School of Bible and Music today, uh, Grand Rapids, and I was at a Panera Bread with some of the people on this prayer call. I was preaching at a missions conference, and, um, oh, it's 10 um, I'll tell this quick story. And um, in that 1857 revival, sailors would come off their boats to Manhattan and attend this prayer meeting, and then they'd go down to Battery Park, south part of Manhattan, and they would look at their ship in the harbor, and they would say they're going to launch their prayer cannon at the ship, and they're praying for the captain, who's an atheist. And there's books on Amazon about this. Within two weeks, that captain would trust Christ as Savior. So we were in Panera Bread, and, and David says, could we turn the prayer con uh, cannon on a girl named Anna in Venezuela? Grew up with her. She's in a New Age cult. She's horribly immoral. Um, she's an unbeliever. And uh, so we started praying for Anna. That was on Saturday. Monday, we started praying for her. Wednesday, David called her in Venezuela, gave her the gospel. She got saved. Friday, she was on the prayer call. She was on this Zoom meeting as a new Christian praying, and all she said was, God, thank you. It broke in English. I was in darkness, and now I'm in the light. Well, then Anna said, can we turn the prayer cannon on Melina? Melina. She's uh, in the, Anna was a fashion model. Molina was a fashion model in Spain. Molina got saved. And, uh, and then, like, four weeks ago, David and Anna got married. So, uh, I mean, this is, it is just amazing. And I could, again, fill up your afternoon. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, as, as we think about the matter of God's people praying together, it is explosive, and it is the reason that the early church turned the world upside down. Uh, let me just call attention to the other things, and we'll be done. Um, innovation. This early church, they sold their possessions and belongings and gave to those in need. So above their livelihood, not writing checks out of their account, they were asking God to show them what they could do to earn income for gospel advance and to meet the needs of the 3,000 people that had just trusted Christ as Savior. So part of what we do is uh, we encourage people um, to, to look at what they have, skills that they have. This is why we call it acorn, because an acorn is something small. But when God brings the blessing, like an oak tree, it's a, it's a point of awe. And Acts chapter 243 says that awe came upon every soul. We want people to say, I never knew I could do this for God. I never knew 
that God could use this skill. A girl in our church started an Instagram business. Instagram, she had a coaching business, an Instagram presence. Um, she, she made a one-hour course for $59. And Andrew would know, I think Andrew might know her. And um, she marketed it for three weeks on, on Instagram. This is during COVID. She, um, she had this one-hour course, and 2,000 people came to this course. If you multiply $59 times 2,000, it's a lot of money. She has done it monthly ever since. And I thought, that is one girl in one church with one skill. That's an acorn that brings awe. They've been very helpful to missions around the world. I'm thinking, why can't we harness this for the gospel? So there's an acorn on the table in the back. I'm going to encourage you, if you will, if you want to, take an acorn and just say, God, what can I do? What do I have that you can use as a blessing to gospel advance? It may not be an Instagram thing. It may be something else. But uh, that's the innovation side. And then lastly is networking. Uh, the people return to their food with glad and generous hearts in, in Acts chapter 2. And uh, I would encourage you to pray at, uh, by the way, there's a free book on the table about corporate prayer if you want it. And uh, I don't have time to explain it. But then uh, I would encourage you to pray together. Praise the church, obviously. Pray together, even at Acts 2.43, for your church. Pray for your pastor as he studies. Pray for him as he preaches that God's word would be used in the, in the hearts of many people. And, uh, and let awe come upon every soul. So that's the, the networking in prayer. Um, we're done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. The, the, the clock here is on warp speed. But uh, we pray that you would use what we've seen today to, to fuel gospel advance, specifically in this valley. Father, would you use your praying people to cause a wave of Holy Spirit activity in this place? And may there be so much awe of who you are and what you can do that uh, people say, look at our majestic God. And it's tied to God's people praying together. May that be the case in Jesus' name.